Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to 1 Peter chapter 3 and reading for our text, verse 7. Verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honour unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. 1 Peter 3 and verse 7. I am not going to open up, as it were, all the verse. We continue this evening with the series on the illustration of a vessel in Scripture. And we have... In our text here, giving honour unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And it is the weaker vessel honoured. And this chapter, and also that which we read in Ephesians, it teaches the duty of wives and husbands. God's order that is offensive today and easy. The church can draw back from it or perhaps be ashamed of it or to set it forth, but it is clearly set forth in the Scriptures. And it's good for us to acknowledge how God would have us to walk together, how he made us, what his plan is for a husband and a wife and how they are to walk together. And this especially is because it is a type of Christ and his church. Christ, the heavenly bridegroom, his church, his bride. We've read of it, we've sung of it. And wherever we destroy the type, or undermine the type, then it takes away the benefit and the blessing to the church of God as what the truth and what the teaching is that comes through that time. It is marred. And so especially the thought here with the wife as being the weaker vessel, the church of God, as being acknowledged by the church, as being a weak vessel or a weaker vessel. And when we look at what is set forth, how a husband should treat a wife specifically because she is said to be the weaker vessel, that will afford great comfort and help to the church of God to realise that. Also, it brings about an obligation on a husband especially to emulate Christ and to walk in such a way that it is not hard for the wife to act as she should do in submission and in obedience to her husband. Now I want then this evening, first of all, to just reaffirm how the Lord would have husbands and wives 
to walk with each other. Not in great detail, but a general affirmation of what we have had set before us in the reading of God's word. And then secondly, that relationship of Christ, the bridegroom, and his bride, the church, to remind us of what a prominent place that has in Scripture, how it is the way that the Lord has chosen to set forth not just a relationship between two uh, people, a man and a woman, in the marriage bond, but himself and his church. And then lastly, and this is the, the main part really, and that is the comfort from the type for the church, a, a weaker vessel, what we may consider in that that is to be a help to us as the church of God. But firstly, how the Lord would have uh, husbands and wives to walk together. In the chapter where our text is, we have uh, set before us first the idea of subjection. Something, again, that the world will find very offensive that a wife should be in subjection to her own husband. And yet it is taught here in uh, Peter's epistle and in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, the passage that we read. Uh, again, it is uh, set forth there in uh, verse 22 where we began, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto uh, the Lord. And the example given from those who have gone before us in, in verse 5 of the third chapter of 1 Peter, For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection, unto their own husbands. This is one of the main things that is set before us uh, in the relationship or how the uh, wife should uh, act towards a husband and it is that she should uh, reverence her husband or obey him in everything and the reasons are given through and we'll come to this in a moment with the teaching concerning Christ but it's given to us that the reason is because Christ gives us the example and how the church is to walk but then we have with the husband and in Ephesians and 5, we have for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And we have headship set forth. The sad thing when a husband will not take the lead, will not take the headship, then it makes it very hard for the 
wife to be submissive or to take a submissive role when the husband is not performing his part of it. And uh, so very much, especially in Ephesians, it is a very high standard that set forth for the husband that he should be trying to emulate Christ. And especially as in love and loving their wives, in verse 25, Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so really in this first point, I just wanted to affirm as in the scriptures, not going into any depth or actually what is involved in uh, the submission or in the headship, but in a a marriage union where God has put an order and directions to the husband and to the wife. They are both one in the Lord. They are both chosen in Christ. They both share in the covenant and every blessing through our Lord Jesus Christ. But the order is set before us. And I especially Think of that with the husband, that he is to love his wife as his own body. Never man yet hated his own body. And that gives us some idea what it means about subjection and being submissive, because it's to be submissive and subjection to one that is showing that love and care over the wife. The sad thing is today there's the thought of equality, there's the thought of it being offensive, that the wife is spoken of as being weaker than the man. And our text, a weaker vessel, we've explained before in this series what we mean by a a vessel, uh, the people of God as vessels, vessels of mercy, having treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. A vessel is something that is used to hold something and to carry something. And uh, here is spoken of as the wife, a vessel, the husband's a vessel, but the wife a weaker vessel. I know we can, in a natural way, you can get women that are much stronger physically and mentally than men. And yet if we were to take sport, for example, which is so much in the news and has been recently, where men and women are training to get to the peak of their ability and fitness. So it's not a comparison between someone who is trained and someone who hasn't, someone who's not fit and someone who is fit, it's a comparison between those that are athletes that in their field are on their peak. And what has been so much emphasised again and again is that a man is much stronger. They can outpace a woman in swimming, in running, in lifting, in whatever it is. 
and has caused much concern in the sporting world of those that with a man's body make out that they are a woman and the women that are competing say we cannot compete with a person that actually has a man's body. It's a much stronger body. And so even in a a medical way, a way that the unregenerate world will recognise there is a weaker vessel in in the woman. Uh, For the Church of God, and it's emphasised here that it's in verse 5 of where our text is, it is the holy women also who trusted in God. And I hope it is wherever we are, where we truly trust in God, that we are listening and desiring to know God's will through his word and not through the current trends and way that the world looks at things. And so it is with this thought then I would move to the next point which is the relationship of Christ, the bridegroom and his church. It is especially in our first reading that this in Ephesians 5 is reaffirmed again and again. And we have in in verse, if we look from, from verse 23, it is, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the saviour for the body. Immediately we are comparing, we are putting this, here is the church and Christ. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. And again, it is the church and Christ and the type of the wives and their own husbands. And I'd emphasise that, not to someone else's husband, their own husbands. And uh, then we have the reason Christ deals with his church, why he's given himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. And then applied from that, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. And then in verse 29, No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. All the time there's that referring back to the type and back to Christ and the church. Sometimes using Christ and the church as an incentive and a direction as to how we should walk, whether as a wife or as a husband, and sometimes making it to be the relationship between a husband and wife to illustrate and show the church and what Christ is to the church. And the Apostle says in verse 32 that this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. If there was any doubt about the apostles' aim throughout this passage, it's cleared up here 
not something we would reason through or say is not a mystery. He says it is not only a mystery, but a great mystery. I believe I could say this, that the whole of the Word of God in all of the relationships between men and women, all of the teaching right through the Scriptures with the nations, whatever it is, there is an aim always to be teaching concerning Christ and His Church the Lord's purposes and directions and very often veiled between some obscure commandments there is a deeper meaning and a meaning that is pointing to the people of God. You think of how the Apostle says regarding the law concerning oxen thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And he takes that and he asks the question, Doth God care for oxen? Or saith he it not altogether for our own sakes, that they that labour in the word, that they be partakers of that word or partakers of, of, of carnal things, be supported through the ministry? And he applies it in that way. And without the scriptures, and may we be reminded, all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation is the inspired, infallible word of God, breathed out by God. It is not, we're not talking about, well, this is what Paul says and this is what Peter says and we don't need to obey that or take any notices of it. No, it is all of God's revealed will and teaching and we should always be looking what is the Lord teaching us of the heavenly things what is he teaching us of those things that are types that illustrate to us heavenly eternal things and so it is the this thought that I want to reaffirm before going into the uh, comforts of the type of the church as a weaker vessel. Perhaps another uh, chapter that, or another book that so illustrates the church is the Song of Solomon, which right the way through the Song of Solomon we have the bridegroom and the bride that is speaking and the care of the bridegroom over his bride. Now in chapter 4, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. And the Lord is speaking of his church and what he sees in her and what he views in her. And so many times through the Song of Solomon, we mustn't lose sight of the teaching of Christ and his church. We uh, son of it in a way, the beautiful type in the last chapter of that book where the church is coming up out of the wilderness and it is she is leaning upon her beloved and it's a blessed thing 
where we do lean upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look then, uh, thirdly, at the comforts and the blessing that if we are humbled enough to acknowledge that we are weak, we are a weak vessel, and yet in that weakness there is blessing and there is comfort in it. And especially in the words of our text, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honour unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The honour that Christ bestows upon the church. What a thought is that. Though she is a weak vessel, a weaker vessel, the Lord bestows honour upon her. In our text it says to dwell with them according to knowledge. Christ dwells with his church. Or another way of rendering it would be standing beside the church, taking place as the head of the church, dwelling with them as the head, not like, as it were, with the husband who is not with the wife, he's not nigh at hand, he cannot perform what is needed. No, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst Though I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, and you find Christ as a bridegroom dwelling, dwelling as their head, dwelling with the church of God. Now it says here in this text as well, according to knowledge, another way of translating that word, is according to understanding. One of the things that is a challenge for any marriage is for the husband to understand the wife and the wife to understand the husband and to understand those things about them that would regulate how a husband deals with his wife. We might say, knowing the weaker vessel. If the husband really knows and understands his wife, then he understands her limitations, her weaknesses, what she can do, what she has strength to do, what she has endurance to do, what she can be expected to do and not expect to do what she doesn't have strength and ability or stamina to be able to do. And when we think of that, if a husband seeks to understand and know wife in that way, how much more does Christ understand and know the limitations of his people? When our Lord was on earth, 
He says, I have many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How did he know that? He understood. He understand. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but dust. And so he doesn't put on us that which we, we cannot do. Sometimes as a husband, we might require more than a wife could do. And they might say, oh, look, I cannot do that. I cannot walk that distance. I cannot go on from day to day and continue in that way. And we need to be reminded, but the Lord knows exactly what the church can do and what she can't do. And so it is knowing. The Lord knows his people and dwells with them according to knowledge. He knows as well their proneness to temptation. We think of how in the scriptures we're reminded and it's one reason that the women is not to usurp authority over the man, especially in the church. It said that Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Eve was in the transgression, being tempted, and not Adam. And the husband may realise that the wife is more liable to be tempted or drawn aside. Certainly Satan chose Eve to come with his temptation, not Adam undermining that headship. And so with the weaker vessel, the Lord knows that. He knows what his people... The Lord knew, Peter says, though all men forsake thee, yet will not I. But the Lord knew, he said, before that the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And that came to pass. We may say, here is the Lord knowing that weaker vessel and telling him uh, what shall happen, telling him his weakness, though he doesn't acknowledge it, or realise it is so. And that is to be a comfort to us. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which he are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that ye be able to bear it. The idea with the weaker vessel is that they don't have as much strength. And the Church of God is often spoken of as having a little strength. But we think of that word, power belongeth unto God. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And the comfort of the Church of God is that though she does not have strength, though she is weak, yet her heavenly bridegroom, her saviour, her redeemer, is strong. And you know, it's when that we reject this idea of being a weaker vessel, that then we lose that comfort. We lose the strength in Christ. We would go launch out alone and say that we do not need the Lord's help. We do not need his strength. We're like Peter, though all men forsake thee, yet will not I. And we learn it the hard way. But what a comfort if we do 
view the church and view ourselves as part of it as being the weaker vessel. Another aspect is in the weaker vessel may be more easily hurt. The Lord has given a woman, especially with motherhood, a real tenderness for her child. And he uses that illustration. You know, can a woman forget her sucking child? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are ever before me. And the Lord knows the uh, tenderness and a, a good husband will know also that his wife is more likely to be hurt, wounded with words, wounded with things than he is because the Lord has made her tender towards her children. But the church as a weaker vessel, how easy we can get discouraged, how easy we can be cast down, how easy we can melt away when men rise up against us, when things are said, when things are done, we, we, we soon feel it. But the Lord, he knows, and he knows how to deal and to balance these things for us and to help us when we feel so easily wounded. Dear Job, he says of his friends, miserable comforters are ye all. But the Lord was his stay and comforter and helper and how we uh, need that as well. We think of a husband that would view his wife in her weakness as a weaker vessel, but he doesn't despise her for it. And the church does not, the Lord does not despise his church. He doesn't look upon her, though she be weak, though she be in need of him in, in every way, he doesn't despise her. He speaks well of her. We mentioned of Song of Solomon, Thou art all fair, my love, there is no spot in thee. He's viewing the church of God in what he has made her and bestowed upon her with his righteousness and how he has uh, wrought for her. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so he speaks then well of her. He respects her and he tends, tends to her needs, whether it be love or communion for food, for clothing, whatever it is that the wife needs, the husband should be the provider, the protector, the one who at the last decisions that are made, the responsibility rests with him. 
No husband that loves his wife will say, well, I'm doing something this way if he knows full well the wife doesn't want it to be done that way and will be grieved and upset if it's done that way. And yet when the decision is made of which way to go, the responsibility is his. He can't turn round and say, well... I did this because of you and to satisfy you and now look what a mess is made of it. He must take responsibility for deciding which way to go. And the Lord is, he takes responsibility for his church. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The Lord knows the need of his people We only see but what happens in a day. The Lord sees that which is from eternity to eternity. And his plans and his directions for his people are from a far longer and deeper knowledge than what his people have. And may we think of this tie this idea of the church being a weak vessel and really her strength is recognising her weakness. Her strength is realising that her Redeemer and her Saviour knows her weakness and that the blessings that he sets forth in the word and the promises and encouragements are all suited to exactly as we are. What good would it be if we had guidance, instructions, directions in the word of God that took no account that we were sinners, that we were creatures of the day, of our poor finite minds, if he took no account of our personalities, individual members of the church of God. But he does. And we see it with the disciples. We see the Lord managing them, dealing with them. And he does with all of his church. So may the Lord preserve us from destroying a type that is a beautiful type and a type that will give us much comfort, especially when we feel our weakness, to know the Lord does remember our frame. And when we see him dealing with us as a heavenly bridegroom, he deals with us with understanding and with knowledge, then it's a sweet token and a sweet evidence that the Lord is our God and he is our heavenly bridegroom and he is dealing with us according to the pattern that is put in his word of a husband and a wife. Again, it would be a sad thing if the church of God, the individual members of it, would be able to look at their lives and say, I never see any type Any indication the Lord is to me the husband that set forth in Ephesians 5. 
But it would be a great comfort and blessing if we can say, yes, I have seen it. I have seen it in my life. I have noticed how the Lord has not dealt with me as my sins deserved, that he has been long-suffering and forbearing, that he has regarded my weakness and that he has given me helps and strengths and that he's been to me as that heavenly bridegroom. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honour unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. You think of that as Christ and the church. The Lord saying and praying, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. He is their inheritance. They are his inheritance. They are heirs together. They are to be united together. And what a difference in strength, you might say. In that marriage, what a, might say, incompatible God who is so full of strength and might and of power and his church. But he gives strength and might unto the weak and unto the feeble. He strengthens his people. Our help is in the name of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. This God is our God. He will be our guide even unto death. May the Lord bless this word and these few remarks to us this evening. Amen.